Let me send a quick text to my wife. I didn't make Sam's lunch today. I got up late. Otherwise, yeah. And sometimes the hot lunch is good. Sometimes it's not, you know. You know how it is in schools. It's a life lesson, though, Jack. Isn't it? Make the kid eat the disgusting goulash. (laughs) Sometimes it's good. Builds character. Sometimes it's bad, but it's always an adventure. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. And that feeling, walking up to see what it is, smelling a weird smell, thinking, oh, no, I hope it's not. Oh, it is. It is. Oh, the the worst. (laughs) Who put fruit in the jello? So, do you know Thomas L. Friedman? Yes, I'm a big fan, actually. Tom Friedman's a crazy smart guy. When he writes about domestic policy, it often makes me nuts. Um, I love his stuff on the Middle East and, and foreign policy. It's very clear. I don't even read his domestic stuff. It drives me so bad. Oh, but, yeah. We just see the world differently and the role of government differently. His, but he's a smart guy. Yeah. And his foreign policy yeah. stuff is fantastic. Great conversation, too. We haven't talked to him in ages. We ought to. But uh, he, he wrote a piece in the New York Times. Mustachioed man before it was cool. And after. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, about his visit to uh, San Ysidro which is uh, the San Diego area. It's the big port of entry there. Uh, and and he went uh, traveled along the border, right down to where the newest 18-foot-high slatted steel barrier ends in the wide-open hills and craggy valleys, beckoning drug smugglers, asylum seekers, and illegal, illegal immigrants begins. And he writes, it's a very troubling scene. He uh, mentions that from California through Texas, there have been 190,000 apprehensions of family units. Who this year, uh, who crossed illegally from Mexico. That's up from 40,000 a year ago. An increase of 374%. It's a manufactured crisis. Remember that? A manufactured crisis. Roughly 30% of those who were apprehended sought asylum. That's up from 1% a couple of years ago. He mentions that asylum is a humanitarian status based on fear of persecution. Many of these requests are legitimate, but... They coach the coyotes, and, and there are actually pamphlets floating around in the, on the Mexican side of the border how to fake up a, uh, an asylum claim. Uh, and then he points out, um, but some economic migrants who are just looking for work and more money for their family, and I don't blame them a bit, good for them, they have initiative, um, they're gaming the process. But once you're in the U.S. and file for asylum, he writes, there's a good chance for you to stay, legal or illegally or legally. In addition to families, 135,000 adults, 36,000 accompanied children, unaccompanied children have been apprehended since October after entering illegally. Mentions they come from Central America, the, the poor countries. But many migrants are flocking to open borders from as far away as Haiti and Africa. The whole day left me more certain than ever that we have a real immigration crisis and that the solution is a high wall with a big gate, but a smart gate. And he, he gets into the sort of immigrants we want and the numbers we want. He wants a good, strong flow of immigrants. Some of you want fewer than, than Tom Friedman would want. But his point is we absolutely must control the border. One of the most manufactured crisis. One of the most influential columnists in America, a well-known liberal, says in the New York Times, we need to build a wall. Yeah. A, there's a terrible Isn't crisis, and B, we need to build Shouldn't one. that be the end of the argument? Now it's just when, how high, how well, much? It's impractical to build a 3,000-foot wall. Some places you can't build. Everybody knows that! Every Who are you arguing with? 
You've built a straw man and you're screaming at him in the street like the nut jobs who do populate a lot of our streets. Anyway, moving along. Without a high wall, too many Americans will lack confidence that we can control our borders, and they therefore will oppose the steady immigration we need. You know, one of the reasons Friedman's for a a wall, particularly, Hmm. is because his expertise uh, really is the Middle East, and he's seen walls work in Israel. He knows that physical walls work. He's seen them and written about them for decades. That's one of the reasons he'd be for a wall. But for this wall to have a big gate, it has to be a smart and compassionate one. One that says, besides legitimate asylum seekers, will they accept immigrants at a rate at which they can be properly absorbed into our society and workforce? We'll favor visa seekers with energies and talents that enrich and advance our society. Yeah, which is what the point of immigration. The reason you have immigration is so it will, uh, whatever he said, enrich and enhance or whatever words he used, uh, our society. Yes, that is the point. God, good for him for having the guts to say this, because I guarantee you, a lot of the young people uh, at the New York Times do not appreciate this point of view. Oh, no. it's Well, it's immigration is to beef up the Democratic Party, for one thing, and because, you know, the white supremacists need to give way to the new brown America. Easily, why immigration exists in any country on earth, you numbskulls. Easily a majority of Americans agree with his take on this. Easily. There's been a system, well, he describes the broken, broken, ridiculous system that so many people are here, you just get in, then you stay illegally, and nobody does anything about it. And um, a May 2016 poll by the Public Religion Research Institute in the Atlantic found that 48% of white working class Americans agree that, quote, things have changed so much that I often feel like a stranger in my own country. Now, some of you woke social justice warrior types think, well, that's just because you're white supremacists and the rest of it. No, that is the reaction of every population on Earth to what's being described. And in an era, he writes, when more and more countries will fracture under environmental, population, criminal, and technological stresses, we simply cannot take everyone who shows up at our border. God, I hope this... When did this come out? Uh, A couple of days ago. God dang it. And this is the only place I've heard it. Yeah. You you would hope this would land land with, uh, with more of a thud and make more noise. Yeah, because it's going it's it, going it to get notable, so much of the crap that you've heard about walls don't work, build bridges, not walls, all that sort of crap. Tear down the walls we've got now, according to at least one presidential candidate. Right. And then he criticizes Donald J. Uh, he talks about, uh, you know, a, a good, well-rounded, top to bottom immigration policy. Unfortunately, all those actions would require a president ready and able to forge a national immigration compromise. Instead, we're stuck with a man who just exploits the border crisis and uses his wall to divide the nation and energize his base. Well, both sides do that. Nancy Pelosi saying walls don't work and all that sort of crap is doing the same thing. Sure. Hillary build bridges, not walls. That's that's inane. Um, We we should talk more about this later. We have a great, great guest coming up. But God, I would hope that would change the conversation. Tom, I wish uh, Charlie Rose was still around because Tom Friedman was on there all the time. If he and Charlie talked about this for the PBS crowd, mm-hmm. maybe that would help move move the needle. Hey, cops will tell you. All cops will tell you. There are good cops and bad cops. There are plenty of cops who shouldn't be cops. Well, there's new information, new data out on the cops who are bad cops and how they get away with it and move from uh, agency to agency. Talk to... Uh, a uh, big-time reporter about that next. I want to hear that new Bruce Springsteen song this hour, Michael, just dropped last night at midnight. I got Stay, it. Ready. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. In the closet.
Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty, extra large, featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. Armstrong and Getty Show. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. So we've uh, talked to a lot of cops over the years doing this show. And uh, we even had a cop panel once. And they all seem to agree, but I forget the number. What percentage of cops did these cops tell us shouldn't be cops? Cops told us... Was it 25%? I thought it was a quarter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which... Is extraordinary. And we've gotten that same number from quite a few cops yes. too, through the years. So a bunch of different cops have told us about a quarter of a cops shouldn't be cops, which is pretty troubling. Right. And uh, John Kelly and his team at the USA Today have been digging for quite some time into police records around the country. They found 85,000 cops who've been investigated for misconduct. Uh, and, and John joins us now to discuss. Hello, John. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing great. Good morning, guys. Excellent. This is uh, this is quite a project. Uh, how long did it take? We've been we started gathering records almost two years ago, um, and and there were some records that we had that were sort of foundational uh, records we'd already had in place. So I mean, it's been about two years. Right. So good cops are a blessing to society, and thank God for them. Uh, uh, bad cops and good cops will tell you this need to go. Uh, and I think we're all aware that there are, you know, uh, episodes of police uh, excessive force and that sort of thing. That The aspect of this that really interests us mostly is, you know, what percentage of cops are bad cops and, and how easy it, is it for the public to find out about it? Well, so it's really difficult um, in a lot of places, even even though a lot of the records underlying the conduct of police officers would technically be public records in most should, certainly should be and yeah and, and and but there are roadblocks to getting them you know uh, a, a typical you know resident going down to the police station asking for this kind of thing is is likely to encounter uh, police agencies that would maybe not be forthcoming about whether the records exist or run into a little bit of runaround or be charged, you know, dollar a page fees to see the records. None of we that is good. Experience with this on a large scale. And so we can, and our, and our team of journalists, you know, includes, you know, people who are experts in those public records laws. And so we can work around that um, by being very direct with these agencies. You know, listen, you have to turn these records over under the law. Anyway, so we've been gathering those slowly and then, and then, in effect, transforming them into data that allows us to do a lot of comparison and analysis um, that gets at some of the questions you were asking about percentages. Mm-hmm. Most notable uh, numbers or results uh, in your mind, John? So, I mean, so far, one of the more um, noticeable things to me, I mean, when I knew, I knew that states decertified cops, you know, that, 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 that in really extreme cases, you know, a local police department will tell a state, 
hey, this guy's misconduct is so bad that or, or, or the cop's been convicted of a crime that, you know, we want to make sure he can't be a cop somewhere else. He or she. Um, I expected when we started gathering those from the states, I guess maybe a little bit naive, I expected that the number of those to be, you know, 10,000. Um, the, the idea that, that there are more than 30,000 and substantially more was surprising to me. People who a state government have had to take the extreme action of saying this person's misconduct is so serious that we can we in good conscience can't allow them to continue being a law enforcement officer and we want to make sure that they're not one. Yeah, that that's um, interesting that 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 many people were able to pass, you know, the tests and the psychology psychological tests and all that stuff and become cops and then did something so bad that they get banned. But then how many people don't get banned at that level? They get booted out of their own department but then get to go to some other department and work there. Right, and that's one of the surprising things for us. So, so there are a couple of big holes in that system, and and you guys are getting in on an, uh, you know some early info from a coming uh, story in our investigation. But in California, for instance, which has more police officers than anyone, they don't, they don't have a process for decertifying police officers. Uh, several other states also don't have a process. New York, which obviously has a lot of police officers, just started doing this. And so you have these states with huge populations of police officers who don't even have a process for, for doing this. And so it's very easy then for officers to move around. But even in the places where they're decertified, to give you an idea, you know, we wrote about this police chief who uh, was – got in trouble in Kansas City for basically chasing a guy off the highway and yanking him out of his car at gunpoint while he was off duty. And the state of Kansas decertified him uh, over that issue. But he lived right on the river. So across the river in Missouri, he was not decertified. And so he became a police chief in two towns there wow. at the same time after that. Um and even more interesting than that, he was also the campus police uh, or campus safety chief at a college in Kansas, a state where the state government had deemed he was unfit to be running a, to be a police officer. Um, so even within the same state where he was already decertified, um, he was acting in that capacity at a college. John Kelly, director of data journalism for the USA Today, on the line talking about their investigation into police misconduct and record keeping and the rest of it. It's making me think, what's driving that? Lazy legislators, legislatures, or the thin blue line thing? Or what, what, is, what is driving this? Well, one of the things that we see, the phenomenon that we see happening, um, and, and we talked about in a story that we put out today that focuses on these police chiefs as a sort of microcosm of the problem, we found three things. Uh, one, there are laws that legislators have passed that help hide some of these records. There are prosecutors and judges when cops are convicted who will seal records or allow them to plead down from a felony to a misdemeanor on something that's a you know a serious criminal act in or because they know that the felony will automatically decertify the officer but a misdemeanor will not uh and then more than that the thing we ran into a lot was as we called these departments and said do you know that officer so-and-so or chief so-and-so uh had this incident in a neighboring town or in a different state and we 
kept running into two things. No, we didn't know that. He didn't tell us that, and, you know, maybe they called for a reference, and the place that they called to didn't tell them that. Or in some cases, we've had uh, people that – mayors and, and, and people that have hired these people into these jobs say, we did, but I talked to them about it, and, and I felt like, you know, that part, he deserved a second chance. Uh, and then we had others. We, we had a cop that uh, that came up in this that, that – was under indictment in Ohio and got a job as a sheriff's deputy in Daytona Beach, Volusia County, Florida. And, you know, we thought it was pretty telling and, and somewhat of a microcosm of the larger problem that they later deter- they later found out he was under indictment and they had to fire him wow. just a little while after wow. hiring him. And the headline in the local paper was that the sheriff promised he would start Googling his police candidates. There you go. There's a policy. Wow. John Kelly's the director of Dana Journalism for the USA Today. John, a terrific job. I'm afraid we're out of time, but we'll have a link so folks can find their way to your piece and your team's piece uh, very easily. Well done. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. And it sounds like there are follow-ups to come. Maybe we can talk to them again, but that that is really troubling. And there's got to be enough people out there that want to be cops that would be good cops. You don't have to keep anybody around who's bad. Well, and let them serve somewhere else. Well, and the good cops that I know don't like what the bad cops do to the reputation of their agency or police in general. So it's in everybody's interest to be better about this. Be fair, but be better about it. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Warren and Sanders pounce as Biden enters the race. Awesome. And, and on an entirely different note, we have the germiest thing in your bathroom. And yes, it's an FM report. Oh, boy. Coming up. Guessing they pounce slowly at their age on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Sean assures us that Taylor Swift explaining her motivation for her new song that came out at midnight is worth hearing in an entertaining sort of way. Not in a, I'm so into Taylor Swift, I want to know her motivation sort of way. In a, let's all mock her together sort of way. I'm assuming a boy was mean to her. No? (laughs) So that's coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Right now, the news with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump continuing to take aim at Joe Biden, something you would expect for sure. Trump saying, well, you know, Joe is not really the brightest light bulb in the group. But now, fellow Democrats are lashing out at Biden as well. Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts welcomed the former Veep to the 2020 Democratic primary by reminding voters of their old clashes over the nation's bankruptcy laws. I got in that fight, she says, because families just didn't have anyone and Joe Biden was on the side of the credit card companies. It's all a matter of public record. And then Warren was joined by Bernie Sanders in jabbing Biden. Sanders' campaign sending out a couple of fundraising emails with Biden's name in the subject line pushing supporters to meet the challenge ahead. They read, quote, There are a lot of candidates in this race right now, but there's only one Bernie Sanders. You know that. The call for cash in Sanders' second email put a finer point on it, saying, It's a big day in the Democratic primary, and we're hoping to end it strong, not with a fundraiser in the home of a corporate lobbyist, but with an overwhelming number of individual donations in response to today's news. Contribute- Boy, the, the casting of campaign contributions is standing up and showing what you believe in at this critical moment. They've gotten so good at that. Yeah. You know, everybody thinks, no way, and, and hits the send button. 
I love it. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm, sending, but I love it. I have been disappointed thus far in uh, Democrat on Democrat violence, uh, verbally speaking, of course. Um, I expect them to tear each other apart because you have to. Sure. At some point, you have to, unless you're going to make the mistake all the Republicans made with Trump, thinking, well, he'll fade, so there's no point in going after him. I want his supporters. Right. Um, but you got to bring down Biden if you want to get the nomination, at least right now. So go after him. There you go. You entertain me. What I'm saying is entertain me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On another note, President Trump is insisting the U.S. did not pay North Korea $2 million for the release of American auto warm beer. Talking with reporters at the White House today, Trump just said, We did not pay money for our great auto. Uh, there was no money paid. There was a fake news report that money was paid. I haven't paid money for any hostage, and I've gotten approximately, I think it's 20 or 21 out. So the story I saw originally, the headline was, North Korea hits the United States with a bill for $2 million for medical care. Correct. For uh, for Otto, who they basically murdered. Right. Um, uh, so then the story came out that we did pay that? Is that, somebody was reporting that? No, I don't think so. Washington, did somebody? The WAPO, well, that's what Trump's re, re, responding to, right? The WAPO reported that North Korea wouldn't release him uh, without a signed pledge from an American official agreeing to pay for his hospital care, $2 million. And according to the Post report, the U.S. envoy who retrieved warm beer signed the pledge on instructions from President Trump. So, ah. so that's, a, that's the way the story was playing out. So, so he signed the bill, but then didn't pay it. Well, wait a second. Him. So Trump did a deal where he said, oh, yeah, I'll pay you. Where do I sign? And then didn't pay them? Right. From what I can understand, as a businessman, he said that's kind of a, in a way to do things for a long time. So, yeah. <laughs> Doing it to a scumbag like North Korea? Who cares? I guess North Korea does that all the time. They're so desperate for cash. You know, you fly in to see a little fathead or whatever. They'll bill you $500 for your water in your hotel room or whatever. They're just desperate for cash. So mm. they just bill everybody for anything they can think of and hope somebody pays. There you go. We'll release them for $2, uh, $2 million here. Sign here. Yeah. Well, sure, okay. no problem. All right. The U.S. economy. I'm might do the same thing. Oh, yeah, fine. I'll sign it. Yeah, I'll give you $2 million. Yeah. What are you going to do? Right. The U.S. economy grew at a solid 3.2% annual rate during the first... So did I. I'm growing at a 3.2% annual rate. Don't remind compounding. me. <laughs> yes, it is compounding. Yeah. And that's what your projected growth rate was, right? Yeah. Yes, it, it met analyst expectations. You know, you can, you can pull your pants down further or whatever. But the wedding ring doesn't lie. Oh, you know, oh that's the, true. The, the fingers, the fat, fat fingers. <laughs> All right, how is this good news affecting the markets? Positive Sean's definitive one-word market report. The markets are supine. That's right, the markets <laughs> are wow. supine. Supine. They are relatively flat, but facing upward. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, last story. Where, where, what is the dirtiest place in your bathroom? The grimiest place, the germiest place. I'm guessing the uh, the, the, the the little the, the, the ceramic thing over there in the corner. The drain, your no. shower drain. No, not Me. at all. Perhaps you, but no. Actually, officially, it turns out to be your toothbrush holder. A recent study found toothbrush holders contain If there's mold. fecal matter on your toothbrush holder, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's what you say. Feels good. Some, it relaxes me. 
<laughs> Some of the toothbrush holders had coliform on them, meaning they had poop particles encrusted on them. All right. All right. Why don't you just buy and live in a bubble, Marshall? That's obviously your dream. It is We're amazing. Fine. It, Every being on Earth poos. It's just around. Yeah. Oh, we're fine. I agree. But it is amazing how gross your toothbrush holder can get. Oh, yes. yes. Before you clean it the oh, next crusty yes. looking and yeah. gnarly. Right. As yeah, I'm packing yeah. up for my move, I'm finding all sorts of nooks and crannies that I have ignored to clean over the oh, years. Oh, oh, yeah, it's amazing. Oh, gross. And- and by the way, I don't know if you've heard, but the romance that titillated many and took everyone else by surprise has ended, according to many reports. Kate Beckinsale and Pete Davidson, hot and heavy for a few months, but it seems that their passion may have ebbed and burned out. She is a 45-year-old hottie. He's a 25-year-old comedian. That um, is they were making out at a Rangers hockey game just oh, last yeah. week in front of everybody and was on the Jumbotron, but apparently it's over. Apparently it Unfortunate. is. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. So one thing we need to do coming up next is uh, Taylor Swift had a new song. They call it Dropped. Mm. It dropped a new song at midnight last night, but her explanation for writing it apparently is worth hearing, so that's on the way. Excellent. And uh, let's see, what else what is I going to get? I was all hot to trot for something a we, while ago. We do need to. Oh, we got to get back to that Thomas Friedman column. Liberal columnist says build a wall. And I want to hear the uh, Joe Biden explaining how and why he got out in 1987, which what re- relevance does that have for today? And uh, our coverage of politics. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So um, what we needed to do or need to do now is we got to play a little of the Taylor Swift song there, Michael. Um, That's what we're talking about here uh, because, yeah. So Taylor Swift had a new song come out at midnight last night, which her and Bruce Springsteen, I want to hear a little of that too, but the Taylor Swift song, a little, and two, three, here it goes, something like this. It's a waltz, I believe. A one, two, three, one, two, that goes like this. You and I will, I'll put your arm around your shoulder. Dance to the me one second here, guys. I wish you wouldn't touch me in a workplace like this. Well, he's <laughs> really, he's really uncomfortable. The for me. They're in awkward positions. He's got to really. That's a that's a good stretch. He's got to work to get all the. Yeah, well, it's antiquated equipment to try and play the Taylor Swift song. So anyway, she's got the new song that came out last night, and I'm looking forward to. I'm told it's entertaining. Her explanation as to how she came up with. We're not going to play the Taylor Swift song. Let's give up on that. Do we? Have, maybe we should just move on in general. This is it. I feel I like it's to a different career path. <laughs> So it sounds like a Taylor Swift song, and uh, <laughs> true that, <laughs> as it should. We liked the, the my family liked the last. Well, album. thank God it's over. We what? Li- what? <laughs> what are you doing, Michael? Anyway, so it's here's okay to have it under for a minute. Here, it sounds like Taylor Swift. So here's Taylor Swift explaining. <laughs> Or do we need to know anything other than this is her explanation of motivation? Uh, she's talking about what influences her. I don't know if it's specifically this song or mm. not, but maybe just in general. There you go. Number one for me, most influential factor in my life is cats. I have cats. I'm obsessed with them. Um, they're just a real joy to live with. 
And I love my cats so much that when a role came up in a movie called Cats, I just thought like I've got to do this. Like this is my calling in life to do this for the for the ladies. And um, so I <laughs> went to cat school, which they have on set readily available for us. Um, learned how to be as much like a cat as I possibly could. And um, yeah, cats are just really cool. They're really great. Oh boy. <laughs> You're going to think I'm crazy when I say this, uh, but I want you to picture, say, Liz Taylor in an earlier era, Shelley Winters, just the, the starlet that ends up like a, a crazy old lady. Taylor Swift, crazy cat lady of the future. 30, 40, 80 cats, hard to say how many. Freezers full of dead ones. I'm telling you, I've I've seen I've seen the syndrome. I've seen the, the crazy bloom. I know what it smells like. She's childless. Not the cats. In talking earlier about Starbucks has a puppuccinos now, a little whipped cream thing for your pet. People give to their pet. And right. People put your pets around in strollers. And her talking about how much she loved. You know, people always liked their pets sure. or even loved their pets and meant a lot to them. But part of the whole we don't have kids anymore thing. Fits in with the way we treat pets. We still have the natural need, desire to take care of some helpless beast, Mm -hmm. whether it's a child or a pet. And people just, because it's easier and less responsibility, I guess, are going with pets instead of children. Yeah. That's clearly what is happening in society. Yeah, I guess. Someone her age has the desire to have a baby and take care of it, but she's not going to forego any part of her career to do that. Or go through any of the mess of having a serious relationship to do it, so she has a, she gets into cats at this level. You know what I failed to consider is her enormous wealth, and so the incredible size of her uh, her domicile. I mean, she could end up with eight hundred cats. <laughs> I mean, it is conceivable. She have and she has the budget to feed them. She'd probably and uh, she'd probably hire a couple of uh, cat tenders as well. But yeah, she could easily have some sort of ten thousand square foot mansion. That is just head to toe, you know, wall to wall cats. So I can, can I assume it. that Taylor Swift knows now, now knows how to poop in a sandbox? Is that what part of cat school was? Well, that's that's where they start. Start with the basics. <laughs> that would be the basic scratching, sleeping, rubbing, rubbing up against stuff, lapping milk out of a bowl with your rough tongue. Of course, the the one guy tried to rub up against Taylor Swift, and he <laughs> lost his career. That disc jockey, uh. yeah. So let uh, that's right, uh, So yeah, <laughs> let Taylor Swift rub up against you, but you don't get to do it back. <laughs> A little tip for you. That is a good tip. That's beautiful. Um, Do we have any uh, luck coming up with the Bruce song yeah, there, got it Michael? Right here. All right. I'm dreading it because I'm afraid it'll be some sort of anti-Trump political message, like that insufferable killer song that came out. This song also came out at midnight last night. Sounds like Johnny Cash so far. I think it's just a love song. Oh, yeah. Nice. It's a Bruce Springsteen love song. It's called Hello Sunshine. No, hasn't mentioned Trump once. Oh, that was about Trump. <laughs> Trump's the new Hitler, so they say. <laughs> Don Morris, get to the chorus. So, see, this is the sort of thing that I think I would like. I'll probably listen to this later today. Sure. Sounds delightful. Yeah, it'd be it'd be perfectly fine. It's the first new music from Taylor Swift since uh, 2017. That's that's a year and a half ago. It's not that big a deal. That's you know I was fine. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> but, like uh, forever ago. Yeah. 
And Springsteen said he's releasing a new album called Western Stars will be his first full-length album since 2012, which is quite a break. Seven years. So yeah. He said it's a return to my solo recordings feature character-driven songs and sweeping cinematic orchestral arrangements. It's a jewel box of a record. Doesn't mention anything about Trump, so that's good. Uh, excellent. You know, it, my, as long as we're talking about Bruce, let me see if I can find this. I probably can't. They got a picture in here of his what his album cover is going to look like. He's looking old because he is old. Yeah, it happens but, uh, to the best of us. It does. Yeah, my son uh, Taylor Swift looks radiant. By the way, as as always, uh, my son texted me the other day. He he'd listened. He'd heard Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska album for the first time. Oh, really? And he said he he put it so beautifully. My my boy is really quite. Oh, here here he goes. Um, I don't think I ever understood Bruce Springsteen until I discovered Nebraska. Like I dug Springsteen, but with the sort of stripped-down acoustic thing, especially Atlantic City, which is one of my favorite songs. Now I get the quiet desperation and sadness and alienation at the heart of his music. The through-line has shown itself. Yeah, so I guess he had to see it in its purest distilled form to recognize it in some of the bigger, more bombasty stuff. But yeah, that's I thought that was well put. Um you know, Bruce, uh, example A, and, and just keep making great songs and don't lecture us all politically speaking. Shut up. But like I told you, I've, I'm following a bunch of musicians on Twitter now, and man, that's all they do. They never talk about music. Right. Almost never, unless, unless they play on somebody's project and want you to know about it. It's all just angry, bitter politics. I often fail when I try to show people my through line. Yeah, I, 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 I try. try. Want to see it? You want to see my through line? Not really. Here it is. Turns. What do you think? Yeah. People find out I'm just shallow all the time. My through line is, well, yeah. So the we lack did, of the through line is my through line. We did an interview a little bit earlier with a guy from USA Today about the 85,000 cops that they've found that had been investigated for misconduct. And those records are hard to get. They shouldn't be. I mean, man, you talk about something we, the people, ought to have access to. Um, I don't know about everybody who's investi- investigated for misconduct because if it turned out you didn't do anything wrong... I'm not sure we get. We should even know anything about it, right? I don't think you, people should be able to uh, use that as, as uh, you know, to smear people, right? But if you did something wrong as a cop, and the department found that you did something wrong, that information should be available to yes. the public. Absolutely, yeah, shouldn't be hard to get. Anyway, uh, we got a number of texts, including from some cops. I'm a cop. I don't want to work with these people. Yeah, not only is the public think we don't want bad cops, we guarantee you, as we've been saying. Other good cops, they don't want to work with bad cops. Right. There's a number of good reasons why they don't want to work with bad cops. Yeah. Well, I happen to know a number of peace officers, and they are not only pained when they see bad cops do bad things, but it makes their job more dangerous. Sure, of course. You know, the current whipped-up atmosphere, some people doing it for political reasons, um, trying to paint all cops as awful or the cops just want to shoot down, you know, various sorts of people. It's, well, it's, the, God, the story that our journalist John Kelly gave us about a guy who had off-duty chased some, somebody down and put a gun in his face. I'm sure it's some sort of road rage something or other. Yeah, as I so, recall, it was. Because yeah. you're, you're a cop in your real job. You chase him down in your regular car in plain clothes and put a gun in his face. You should not be a policeman with that temper. Clearly. And he just crossed the river and be- became a chief in the- in a couple of towns. Yeah, in a couple of towns and director of security for a university. I mean, that's just yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah. You can't have that standard that we've got in the, well, I don't think the standard should exist in anywhere in the workplace, but where you can't tell 
future employers, yeah, this guy steals all the time. That's why we got rid of him. You can't tell the next person who calls you that. It's, no. But with cops, we can't have that same rule. No way. No. We got rid of this guy because he pulled somebody over on one of his off days and put a gun in his face. Right. Oh, okay, well, we don't want to hire him then. Right, right. Yeah. It's it's troubling to me. It's troubling to me when the sort of loyalty and team uh, atmosphere really crosses the line into covering up criminality because that's what it is. And, you know, the idea that somebody would be immune from the laws of land because they... Uh, they uh, enforce the laws of the land. That's just bizarre. I mean, it's it, that doesn't exist in any other field, um, and it shouldn't. And uh, good cops will tell you that. So, oh, we have that link at armstrongandgetty.com, dot com. The eighty five thousand cops who've been investigated for misconduct. Um, uh, quite a few for uh, uh, perjury, test lying, as they call it, tampering with evidence, uh, falsifying reports, that sort of stuff. Um, less than ten percent of officers. Less than ten percent. And most police forces get investigated for misconduct. And I'd imagine um, a good number of them get cleared, yet some officers are consistently under investigation. Those are the sort you need to get rid of to protect the good ones and protect the citizens. Here's a good text. After 20 seconds, I can tell that Bruce Springsteen song sucks. Congratulations on your musical acuity. I just, I don't know who you people are who get so worked up about things like that. You know, I was going to mention that earlier. I was looking at the crop of emails that came in like in the last 24 hours. And there there were a number of notable exceptions, but there were a lot of just really stupid ones. (laughs) Stupid, stupid emails. Some like stupid mean, some just stupid, stupid. Did you get Email us if you like. I did, Michael. (laughs) As a matter of fact, uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Keep it short. Try not to be stupid. You're listening to the Arm. Armstrong and Getty Show.